welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Happy New Year's to everyone out there. It's 2015, fresh start, fresh year. What more could you ask for? Uh, I guess first I want to just apologize to everyone for there being a, a delay again in the podcast. It's just extremely hard for me, um, especially during the hunting season, to be frequent on the podcast because when it comes to my schedule, this is the busiest time of the year or the last three months were the busiest time. Uh, obviously doing a lot of filming, uh, quite a bit of traveling, and definitely a ton of time in the studio editing and getting stuff ready for the new season of Knock On TV. And then on top of all that, I have all my daily responsibilities for the different companies I work for. Uh, photo shoots and getting catalogs ready for the ATA show that's going to be here next week. So thankfully, as soon as that's done, I'm going to be able to have a little bit of free time uh, to do more of the things I really enjoy to do on the target archery side. So um, hopefully there's a whole bunch of new people tuning in to the podcast now. Uh, the new season of the TV show launched last week. Um, some amazing feedback from all of you out there. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I'm really excited about this new year. I tried to bring some new elements to the show um, than what I've had in the past, and I need to make sure that uh, all of you out there who are enjoying the new elements to the show and the new framework to the show, please make sure you send your comments in if you could you know just go to a website and do a simple contact us uh, to the different sponsors that I have and especially the networks um, amazingly um, the network was not very happy with um, the way that I laid the show out um, they wanted they specifically asked for more cutaways and more b-roll which I strongly disagree with. Um, I think there's plenty of time to educate people rather than show you some leaves blowing or um, another time lapse of a sunset. So um, I pretty much did what I wanted to do with the show this year, which was add another educational element, the Knocked and Ready to Rock segment. And uh, I know that that's what people out there were wanting. And amazingly... Uh, the network just saw that as kind of too much of the same thing, and I had to have a pretty big discussion about this and ended up kind of defying uh, the studio on what they wanted so that I could bring you what I think we all want. So make sure you guys uh, just send an email in and just say, you know, how much you do appreciate the knock on TV. Um, and the educational segments involved with that, well, send the emails if you do like it. If you don't, then I guess just do something else. But uh, anyway, uh, we do have the ATA sh show coming up. So 
If there's any specific products uh, that you guys know are being introduced at the ATA show and you kind of want to maybe have me give it a quick look, maybe send me a Facebook message and let me know the product that you're wanting me to check out and I'll try to swing by some of these booths and give you guys some uh, first-hand feels either in a podcast or maybe some little videos on some of these new products and what I think about them. Uh, The next thing is I do want to kind of take a little bit of time here to um, give my condolences uh, to Andreas Lorenz. Um, His father-in-law, Werner Beiter, passed away um, this past month. And um, for those of you who are on the hunting side, uh, might not recognize the name Werner Beiter, but uh, Werner has been you know, an absolute uh, mogul for so many of us on the target archery world. Um, Werner developed, you know, arguably the best knocks in the world. Um, definitely something different. He created um, one of the most impressive shooting facilities that there are in the world. And for the few of us who have been lucky enough to be asked to go there and and uh, be with Werner in his state-of-the-art facility, um, you know, you can, you can definitely be one of the few people that say you got to experience something of a lifetime. And, uh, I know that, uh, I had, you know, built a very good relationship with Werner, really liked Mr. Biter and, um, just couldn't thank him enough for all the different things that he taught me about archery. And, you know, I know that it's just been generations upon generations of elite athletes that can say the same thing. And regardless of what level of archer you were, uh, Mr. Biter was always coming up with ways to help improve the archery community and try to make people better and also share, um, you know, new types of games and new types of things that kept the sport fun. So you're certainly going to be missed, Mr. Biter. And um, I think everyone in the archery community um, definitely sends their heart out to um, Andreas as well. I'm sure I'll see you, Andreas, and uh, give you a big hug, buddy. But uh, we're going to dive right in to some questions that I have here. I've got a few questions that kind of stuck out that I thought would be some good topics to cover here. Um, on this podcast and then um, I actually want to jump in and kind of go over um, an article that I recently wrote that was actually something that was inspired to me um, to write it because of the passing of Mr. Biter. Um, It's pretty much based on um, a motto that I had for myself as an athlete Uh, For many, many years, um, something that I constantly would think about myself and something that was real personal to me in my training um, and something that I think everybody will benefit from if they follow it. Um, It's not something that I had ever written written about in the past. Um, It was something that I had kind of always kept to myself, but... Um, after the passing of Werner, I decided to uh, to put this out there. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and read through that. If you want a hard copy of that, you can also um, 
get it from the latest edition of Bow International Magazine. But the first question that I have here is coming from um, Shane, and he says that uh, he's been talking with some friends here at the local archery shop, and they had a discussion on draw length. Um, what is the correct way to get your draw length? Um, he says that he shoots a 28 and 5 eighths on his PSE, um, but a friend of his said that he should be shooting a half inch shorter than he is um, and then have the D-loop made to the right length. Um, he says, I, I like to have my back elbow in line with my eyes and in line with my shoulders. Is that correct? Um, what is your thoughts on having a little bend in your elbow of your bow arm at full draw? Um, he says he prefers to have it straight, but what's my thoughts? So we've got a, several subjects here. Um, I guess it wasn't just one question, um, but we can certainly work through those. Um, first off, when it comes to draw length, I did do a little video that I think is a great basic way to get people um, get their draw lengths um, correct. Um, you can go to the Knock on Archery YouTube channel and look for the draw length video, and it'll show you a proper way to get really close on your draw length. I think when it comes to the average guy that's out hunting versus the guy that's shooting, say, a, a back tension or hinge style release um, on the target community, there's kind of a big difference in what your opinion of draw length should be because I know that myself, when I'm measuring my draw on my target bows and I'm using, say, a hinge style release or a tension activated release, um, you know, I can really tell a difference in how much um, back tension and how much pull I can have when my draw length is super precise. Whereas, you know, with my hunting bows, um, I kind of tend to be a lot more generalized. Um, really, if I'm, if I'm within a half inch, um, I'm going to be fine because a lot of times I do have to bend my elbow just a little bit more on my hunting bows just because if it gets cold, like especially right now, you know, I'm, I'm out hunting in literally sub-zero temperatures and wearing a lot of clothing, I'm not able to shoot my elbow probably in the position that I normally would. But um, more or less the way that I used to measure people for their draw length in my archery shop was I would have them stand next close to a wall and I would have them stand with their feet directly under their hips and I'd have them raise their bow arm straight up to the side so that they were making half of a T. I would have them make a fist and then I would scoot them towards the wall until the front of their fist or the end of their fist touched the wall. And from there, you know, I would make sure that their arm is straight up like a, like a T and make sure their feet were directly under their shoulders and under their hips. And then I would simply turn their head towards the wall and I would measure from the wall directly to the corner of their mouth. Because that measurement right there is going to give you a very, very close draw length. Because what I found is when most people make a fist, from the inside of their fist to the outside of their fingers, 
or more or less from the from the part of the you know the inside of your fist where you would where your bow would be touching the inside of your thumb from that position to the to the very front of your knuckles where they would be touching the wall um, it's about an inch and a half sometimes two inches depending on the size of people's hands but what's important about that is when we measure draw length on a bow they actually add an inch and three quarters to the pivot point of the bow and so the pivot point of the bow is obviously where your hand grips into that position so if the ATA standard is going to be an inch and three quarters from that from that uh, from that position. Then, you know, if the average is about one and a half to one and three quarters from you know the cradle of your thumb to the front of your fist, um, then roughly we're going to be in a very very close ballpark there. And from there, I always do fine tune my draw length. Um, with my D loop, um, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to elbow position, they have a slightly different preference. If you look at a really good archer that has a high elbow, for example, Michelle Ragsdale, um, had an extremely high rear elbow, um, when she was at full draw, but she was a phenomenal archer. She shot properly. She had great follow through, um, but you know it was it was quite a bit higher than than others. But then you also look at some other archers, and you might recognize that their elbow is actually a little bit lower than what it should be at full draw. And you know some of the the better archers out there, you know everyone kind of has their own um, preference. I think a good starting point, if it's comfortable for you, is to try to have your rear forearm in a perfectly level horizontal position when you're at full draw. But some people just naturally aren't structured that way. Some people feel more comfortable with it a little lower, and some people feel a little more comfortable with it really higher. What's important is it's not about how um, you're set up to get a surprise shot when you're trying to execute a perfect shot ultimately you're looking to try to have a surprise shot you want to be able to continually be manipulating the release you know depending on the type of release you have you want to either be manipulating the release pulling on the trigger uh, relaxing your finger which whichever way you do it you ultimately want to be able to do that until the release executes without having any type of you know um, anticipation you want a perfectly surprise shot and that's what we're looking for so really what your draw length is or what your elbow position is to get you there to in my opinion really doesn't matter some people uh, might have an elbow position that's higher and they're able to activate a shot exactly the same as someone that's really really low um, you know, a lot of times you kind of have to look at some people's archery form as what their natural uh, comfort is to doing that, even though it's not, say, um, kind of the norm of what's taught. You know, there are the exceptions. And that's one thing in my, in my full seminars that I talk about specifically are the exceptions in archery 
because in any sport, there's always going to be the exceptions. There's always going to be the people that just have a God-given talent to shoot amazingly or hit a golf ball amazingly or shoot a basketball amazingly, and they may not do it um, with the type of form that's standardly coached. Um, so you kind of have to look at um, some of those exceptions and then just say, okay, well, what's really going to work best for me? Because like when I look at someone like, for example, when I first started shooting professional 3D, um, you know, Randy Ulmer and Jeff Hopkins were both uh, two guys that were at the top of the game. And when I looked at Jeff, you know, his release hand is turned almost beyond vertical and tucked under his jaw. Um, he actually turns his release hand almost beyond vertical and kind of tucks his, his pinky up underneath the back of his jaw or back of his ear. And for me, I can't even get my arm turned around that far. Um, so even when I'd go home and say, well, he's an awesome shooter. I want, maybe I need to try it like that. I couldn't even get into that position. So obviously for me, there's just no way, um, that that would be something I could duplicate. And then, you know, when you look at Randy Ulmer, he did so many things different than what anybody was doing. I mean, he shot, uh, he shot some releases in some extremely interesting ways, um, he was probably the first person to start shooting a release by relaxing instead of trying to actually twist it or pull it. And ultimately, that's the way that I learned to overcome my target panic was by relaxation of my finger, too, to manipulate that release. But when it comes to the draw length, one thing that I really look for is making sure that your string comes to a stop at a position that's almost right at the corner of the mouth. And if your string angle is not too sharp, then you should be able to have the string at the tip of your nose when your head is in a vertical position. And again, the string just coming past the corner of your mouth. If your string comes much further back than that, or if your string is on the side of your nose, then you start to run into some trouble areas that's going to cause some improper aeroflight if you're having string contact or arrow shaft or arrow vein contact on your face. Um, I really like to try to keep that string clear of any type of um, obstruction. Uh, you know, one person that I really looked up to when it came to having super clean um, release, super clean string clearance, and he always had probably the best arrow flight of any archer I've ever watched was Dave Stepp. And Dave was Dave has been on some of the podcasts in the past, and I can tell you that when Dave comes to full draw he brings his hand very, very lightly to the side of his face and he turns his face so that the string is right at the nose, but he's not applying any of the string pressure along the side of his face. And when he releases, that string has a perfectly clear path from the jaw of the release all the way through the bow. There's no skin tissue at all touching his string, and his arrow flight has always been phenomenal. So I really like to have my bow set to where the draw length is at that position, 
It's at the corner of my mouth or slightly past, and it can be at the tip of my nose. And from there, I'll adjust the length of my D-loop so that I can actually anchor properly. Now for me, I really like when I hold a handheld release aid, I, I grab it with my fingers. I like to keep the back of my hand flat as I hold this release. The release is going to be right down the middle row of my knuckles. And then when I come to full draw, I actually have the index, the line of my index finger right underneath my jaw. And then my other three fingers will be set along the top of my jawbone and ultimately along the side of my face or the side of my cheek. Typically, you know, when I'm at full draw um, and I hold the release in this position that I'm talking about, you know, my the ends of my knuckles will actually be kind of right between the corner of my mouth and the corner of my eye. So I'll adjust my D-loop so that I can find that position, and depending on the type of release you shoot will also determine what type of loop length you need. Um, for example, I'm shooting a Carter Simple 1 or a 2 Simple, and it has a shorter head, so I have to shoot a slightly longer loop on it than if I say shot um, my Just Cuz uh, Carter release, which has a little bit longer neck. So you kind of have to take into consideration of what allows you to have good string clearance on your face and also what allows you to find your proper anchor when it comes to your D-loop length. The other thing too, Shane, is try to keep in mind that all the manufacturers out there aren't really the best at having true draw lengths that are equal to one another. A lot of these companies are fighting to have the bow that's faster by one or two feet per second. In a lot of those cases, people will start to fudge their draw lengths. Um, you know, there's a few bow designers out there in our industry that are kind of notorious for always having bows that draw way too long uh, compared to what should be allowed. You know, people get a 29-inch bow out of the box and it's drawn almost 30 inches long, but then again, it's going to get an extra 8 feet per second um, in speed just simply because of the power stroke being longer. So, you know, for me, I like to measure my bows on a draw board um, actually on an upcoming Knocked and Ready to Rock segment from the Knock on TV, um, you're actually going to see the type of drawboard that I use. Lancaster Archery makes a drawboard that's really, really nice. And these are great because you can put your bow on there, you can draw it back, and you can see what the true draw length is of the bow. And what I've done is, you know, obviously on mine, because I know exactly what fits me perfect for target and what I prefer for hunting, when I draw, you know, when I drew my best shooting bow ever back on my draw board, I actually just traced the string angle at the at full draw on on the actual white sticker of the draw board. So now when I build a bow, I build a bow to where when it comes at full draw, it stops perfectly on those exact marks, which I was most comfortable with on, you know, on one of my first super good shooting target bows. So now, 
you know, when I get a bow out of the box, regardless of if it says it's a 31-inch bow or whether it says it's a 30-and-a-half-inch bow, I'll just twist my strings and my cables to where it is the actual length that I need. Um, you know, and I guess as a basic uh, rule of thumb, and this will actually be coming up on a segment here again on the Knock and Ready to Rock portion of the show, but as uh, when it comes to adjusting your draw length with your string and cables, if you shorten your cables or twist your cables up, um, ultimately you're going to lengthen your draw and also increase your poundage. If you shorten your string or twist your string up, you'll decrease your poundage and also decrease your draw length. So if you're trying to fine-tune your bow, if you get a brand new bow out of the box and you pull it back and you measure it and it's, say you wanted a 29 and it's actually drawn 29 and 3 eighths, then you can put some twists in that string until you can get your draw length down to what you want it to be. Um, The last part of your question here is going to be the front elbow position. And for me, I like to have my front elbow in a relaxed position I like to I like to call my front elbow soft Um, when I come to full draw I relax my elbow from or I'm sorry I relax my front arm from my bicep all the way to my fingertips as soon as I'm at full draw I just think about letting all the tension out of that and letting my front bone structure support myself at full draw versus utilizing a lot of muscle which can ultimately get inconsistent the thing that you want to do or be cautious of is make sure that you're really not hyper extending your elbow Um, especially on younger people this can actually become damaging to your career as an archer because i've seen too many times archers try to stabilize themselves by locking their front elbow into a perfectly straight position and over time that elbow will start to crown. It'll start to actually hyperextend um, as everything stretches out. And even people that kind of had a natural arch in their elbow from day one, it'll get worse and worse. And, you know, this can, especially in the younger archers, this can be damaging to some pretty important uh, muscles in that front arm. So what I like to do is... When I come to full draw, I kind of soften that front elbow a little bit. It's not fully locked out, but it's also not bent. It's just soft. I can almost move it forward or back almost a little quarter inch or so. And that just allows you, um, it allows your front arm to also be able to slightly go forward a little bit. Um, when your bow actually fires, if you're hyper extended or shoot with a perfectly straight arm, every time your bow fires, you're actually, since your front arm's already fully straightened out, um, most of that pressure is going to translate right into your front shoulder, uh, which is why some people start to develop some shoulder pains. It's because of the vibration and the jolt in their front shoulder versus them being able to absorb some of that you know in their front elbow and having that little cushion there so um, and I guess the last thing too is try it when you look at the tip of your elbow and your front arm at full draw it should almost be pointing down to about 
7.30 or 8 o'clock, if you think of it at a clock, you know, your your thumb on your bow should be at about 2 o'clock and the tip of your elbow should be about at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. That allows you to have your front arm in a position, um, one, that allows you to be soft, but also it puts your front grip in the correct position and it gives you perfect clearance for your string as it travels forward. So, Shane, hopefully that helped you out on that uh, series of questions that you gave me, buddy. Uh, the next one that I've got here is um, actually from Levi Glass. And uh, he says that he had a couple buddies say, I shoot with the lean and I need to fix it. Um, will it improve my shooting? And I was wondering if I could get some advice on how to fix it. And yes, Levi, I did look at your picture. You do have a slight lean. And, uh, you know, this is actually something that gets kind of tough. Um, when, when people develop the habit of leaning back, um, it gets really tough to correct that. Um, I, I know that myself, um, there was a time where I actually kind of shot with a little hitch in my hip. And, you know, and then for... I know that for my wife, Sharon, we went through a, a time with that too. Um, you know, and sometimes it starts with having to pull just a little bit too much weight. So you kind of just cock your, your hips forward in that first two inches of your draw cycle. And then as you come to full draw, you're kind of just hitched into that slight lean. So in order to correct that, what you really want to do is focus on putting a little bit more of your weight on your front foot and also almost tilt yourself the opposite direction. Focus on almost leaning your front shoulder over your front foot as you draw your bow. Um, so you'll be standing with your feet directly under your hips and your hips will be directly um, under your shoulders and you'll raise your bow arm straight up to the target and then shift about two-thirds of your weight onto your front foot and just really focus on as you draw your bow forcing that front shoulder over your front foot another thing that you can do too is if you have someone that can help you um, just a simple correction is if someone stands right in front of you as you shoot or, you know, directly facing you, as soon as you go to draw back and they notice that you lean back or your, you know, your your back shoulder goes behind your back foot, then all they need to do is take one of their hands and, you know, kind of push your front hip back and then take their other hand and, and push your back shoulder forward. So they'll literally just kind of correct that little bend out of yourself. Um, and after a few weeks, that'll start to develop into something that just feels natural again. I call it a hitch. And hitching is something that just kind of develops over time. Um, you know, you end up uh, shooting with a severe lean. And I know there's several professional archers out there who over the years have become more and more and more prominent on having this, this lean back, uh, look. And, um, I think over time that starts to develop, um, uh, some other issues. I mean, 
you know, there's some top archers out there where I string see strings, you know, laying on the top of their boob or laying on their shirt. So, uh, you know, when you're when you're leaning back that far, that's what's going to happen. So, just focus on keeping your front shoulder over your front foot. Um, really focus on being able to shoot a poundage that lets you lift your bow arm up straight at the target and then draw your release hand straight back towards your face without having to raise your front bow arm up over your shoulder. That'll help a lot as well. So appreciate the question, Levi, and good luck, buddy. Um, The next question here is from Ian Norwood. Um, He says... um, Let's see. I wonder if you could share with us in the future podcasts um, tips that you have for competition preparation. Um, you know, he's he kind of talks about a few things, uh, physical, mental, etc. So um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that question because that will tie in perfectly with how I want to end the podcast. So I'm just gonna jump forward quick. Um, to a question here that I got it from. There's two other questions I'm going to answer first. First question I got was um, someone wrote in and said he's got a new Pro Comp Elite XL um, CB site, Hamsky Res. Um, he says, is there a benefit to using a torque tamer um, or Arctech type system? Um, personally, you know what's nice about the new Podium X is that it does have that adjustable um, cable guard system. There is definitely a benefit to having your cables come closer towards the arrow as the bow is drawn. That's why the new um, Carbon ZT or the new ZT roller guard on the Carbon Spider. Um, ZT and also the new Nitrum are so awesome because it naturally flexes back and towards you and and removes a lot of the torque that's in the riser. Um, Same thing on our target bows. First off, um, you know, any of the Elite Series bows that Hoyt has are going to have an incredibly stiff riser as it is. However, there is still benefit to being able to have your cables closer towards the center line of the bow. Um, I think with both of those systems, to be honest, having them come loose, um, that was one thing they really wanted to change. So with your arrows or your cables closer to the center line of the bow. Uh, the shorts, uh, Schwartz. Um, when he's at 28 and a half and you're de-looped that, you know, if you're shooting one, you're talking a half inch. So there's not really compress your shoulder, uh, continually kind of worry about. I'll shoot the same as I ever shoot where my pin does feel like it sits perfectly still and I don't score as good. So, you know, there's kind of, uh, a weird little hidden rule in there about being dynamic in your shot and being dynamic in your follow-through. What I found is when I'm able to pull strong, have the release fire, and have the range to be able to continue to pull through and pull that release hand back and over the top of your shoulder, then I have way more arrows go in the middle than when I'm just sitting there stagnant and making a shot being perfectly still and not continuing to pull. 
So it's something that you really have to learn to convince yourself of. I know that um, I've been on many, many uh, shooting lines and in many, many metal matches where I've been with a a shooter next to me and they've been, you know, struggling to try to pull through their shot as best they can when their heart beats elevated and, you know, they're excited about being in a metal match and, you know, you literally watch them and their bows swaying all over the place, but they pull through and have a real dynamic shot and by amazement, it just goes right in the middle. And a lot of times I've seen even in their face, they're just like, wow, okay, well, I'll take it, but you know, that's not where my pin was. But a lot of times when you're being dynamic and you're continuing to pull and not worrying about that movement in your front pin, a lot of times your subconscious is always returning that pin as fast as it can back to the center. So even if the release breaks and your pin isn't on the center, by the time the arrow clears, your body's already started that momentum bringing it back to the center and that ends up being where the arrow goes. A lot of times if you're focused on being solid and being super, super still, then you end up being stagnant on your back half and you know you just start to be um, you start to be way more prone to creep forward um, or way more prone to not be as hard on the back wall of the cam as if you're being dynamic and continuing to pull. And a lot of times, I know for me when I was trying to over aim, I would miss a lot to the high high and to the right because ultimately I would be creeping a little bit and not really knowing it. So for me personally, um, when I go to the right, a lot of times that's me falling out of my shot, getting lazy in my shot, and when the release fires, kind of bringing my release hand out away from my face. Whereas if you're being dynamic and you're focusing on pulling and as soon as that clicks you actually focus on flexing your rear bicep so that it naturally pulls your release hand back and over the top of your rear shoulder if you really focus on that i think you're going to be surprised at even if you have some pin movement how you're going to eliminate those arrows that are to the right A lot of times those arrows that go to the right, if it has to do with draw length in your feel is because the longer you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, and even if you're overextended, when you shoot, you kind of bring your release hand down and away from your face, which ultimately is going to do the same thing, put those arrows off to the right. So work on those few things, Jason. And uh, definitely let me know if it helps out. And also, uh, I just want to remind everyone out there, make sure you go to either DudleyArchery.info if you're a target archer or if you're a hunter and don't mind the hunting stuff, then go to KnockOnTV.com. Click on the Articles tab, and you're going to be able to see several articles on almost all these things that I've talked about today. Um, I've got a great article um, on what we were just talking about, you know, the front shoulder position. Uh, also, properly following through, there's a great article on that. Shows some good overhead shots on um, how, your, how your release hand should follow through. Um, there's a, a 
article on, I think, called Anchor Up that talks a little bit about the anchor positioning that we talked about earlier. Also, um, you know, your front, your alignment. Um, several articles are going to talk through all this stuff. And uh, I think you guys will, and again, they're free. So make sure you spread the word about that too. Um, so now we're going to jump right back to, since we're talking about articles, I'm going to jump back to this question from Ian talking about um, the tips that I have for competition preparation. And for this, I'm actually going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up and continue on with a new podcast. So make sure you click on this next one right away so that you can continue because I don't want to end up running out of time on this subject. This is a great subject and I actually want to do a read through on an article that I just did on this very subject uh, that I think would be great for all you to be able to let me have a little bit more time to go into detail. So once again, thanks everybody for tuning in to this edition of Knock On Podcasts. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com